podcast with strangers. Welcome to a podcast with strangers. I am your host, Jacob Dyer. Um, I wasn't here last week. Obviously, I was recovering from surgery, but I'm back. I'm back. You bet. How's your nose? Uh, it's all right. It's, <laughs> it's, not the, it's not what you wanted to hear, but I mean, um, so for those who, 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 who didn't listen, perhaps uh, I had a sino. No, I didn't. Did I? No, I had a septoplasty. They went too far. They hit my brain. I had a septoplasty. <laughs> and I had a turbinate reduction. You don't know what that means. It's fine. Um, I'm assuming your turbinate was reduced. It was indeed. It was shaved. It's the term they use. It was shaved. Um, I still have uh, um, stitches in my nose, but they're supposed to dissolve, and they haven't. They haven't actually gone yet. Um, can you fill them? No. Well, if you tug on them, I can. But um, like if I tugged on your nose, or if I tugged on the stitches, on the stitches. Oh. Uh, but. Yeah, we, it, it's it's for the first couple of days afterwards. So basically, um, I had plastic splints in last week, and this is why I couldn't. Well, I actually couldn't talk. My tonsil sw- like swelled up. I couldn't uh, eat much. I couldn't drink much. Talking was an issue, so I can't really do a podcast if you can't talk. Uh, they took these plastic splints out of my nose, and they were about as thick as a penny, but about three inches like around and they were shoved up um and when they got taken out oh my god i could sniff i i reckon if you put me face down in your carpet and i sniffed i would do a better job than your vacuum was that the uh is that the first time you could like sniff hard for not, a, not, a while not in my life but yeah for for like five years or so i haven't actually remembered like how good it's been um and now now i have to use a uh shout out to neil med the uh the nasal douching bottles um, some people out there, I'd be like, yo, shout out to Neil Med. But yeah, that's what I'm using now. I'm sorry. This is like a podcast about my fucking nose. You don't want to hear about this. Uh, I'm here with, no, my- no, I like oh, it. Well, Keep going. You, you might like it, but I mean, some people would just be like, well, what the fuck's all this? Can you at least, uh, post the pictures of those splints? That you we will not. Me? We will not. <laughs> it is. Those are delicious looking. Blood and mucus is all I'm going to say. And, uh, apologies to anyone who was eating, drinking, or uh, perhaps lovemaking whilst listening to the podcast. If you are lovemaking right now, keep going, bud. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Uh, I'm joined by my uh, incredible co-host, uh, producer, um, and carer, Dallas. How are you, Dallas? How's your nose? Oh, it's uh, I have a pretty awesome nose, I think. You do. It's it's never not worked. Oh, fuck you. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've been blessed. Uh, you have been blessed a tissue. Bless you. Uh, this is a podcast for strangers, and this is, if you haven't heard it before, uh, this is a, a podcast where we uh, interview strangers about their lives, about their hopes, their dreams, their occupations, um, everything that they do, the ins and outs, the ups and downs, the hokey-cokey, the whole sort of thing. This week, who do we have on? We have uh, two people on, like we do most weeks. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Except that one week where we had three people on, or those weeks where we have one person on. Okay, I'll stop stalling. We have a genetic therapist and John. A genetic therapist. A game dev. And John. John. He's a game dev. You know John, yeah. right? Um, well, that sounds wonderful. So let's... Yeah. I don't know which interview you're going to put first, but I'm sure it's going to be absolutely... I was going to use the word fandabby-dozy, and I fucking bit my tongue. We're not going to use the word fandabby-dozy. Fuck me. Jesus, what a word to use. If, well, I'll roll the first. Yeah, get rid of. I'm gonna go rinse out my fucking head. What's fan dabby dozy? Oh, it's like a British. I never heard that. It's like a British. It's a, it's a British thing. Forget. It. Just roll the interview. That's cute. Yeah, it's not That's cute. Roll the interview. 
My next guest is John from Seattle. John, thank you so much for coming on. Happy to be here. John, if you could name a planet, what would you name it? If it's a planet we're visiting, I'd, I'd start with disappointment. Mm -hmm. Just just to set everyone's expectations that it's going to take a long time to get anything out of it, to learn anything from it. And yeah. it's probably going to be a little bit of a low bar. And if it wasn't a planet we were visiting? Um, if it was just like a planet in the sky, I think it would just it would be nice. Like, oh, look, that's disappointment. Oh, I can't really see it. So the name fits. <laughs> yeah. still fit. You wouldn't name it after yourself? No, no. Goodness, no. No. I don't want, I don't want everyone to know me as, you know, the planet. <laughs> well, everyone, I mean, th this is what people say, you know, they say you're you're born in the wrong century because some people want to go explore the world, but we're not in the future enough to go explore the stars. So some people definitely want to go out and, and name planets or suns after themselves. But you're you're not that way inclined. You, do, you don't want to be remembered in that way. Um, part of it is just because I think that the the impact and role that the planets have on our life is so, I would say, unimportant. Whereas, like, back in time, everything everything in the universe was mystical and, and strange and far beyond what we could ever hope. So you had to just endlessly speculate. So I think, like, naming a planet after yourself used to be more impactful. Whereas mm -hmm. now there's, there's so many stars out there that they capture in, like, all the deep space telescopes where mm -hmm. they just get given meaningless designations. And having one of those named after me wouldn't, like, that doesn't feel meaningful, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. What, it, what would be the most meaningful thing on Earth or in space, anywhere, that you would like to be named after? Like, uh, what do you think would really make a difference if you were named after it? Um, hmm, that's, that's a tricky one. I, I think, like, maybe some non-financial non discovery, like something that, that wasn't just used as a way to make people money, like uh, whether it would be uh, some technique of things for conflict resolution or some treatment or mm. some scientific discovery uh like the the invention of ammonia for instance like that mm. that hugely changed the course of human history that wouldn't be a thing i would be mind bearing my moniker mm, mr heimlich heimlich the uh yeah. the famous heimlich maneuver that's one yeah um i recently learned about um two people who teamed up and um their surnames were um zucker so similar to zuckerberg mm -hmm. but just zucker and the other person's name was um his surname was cox and they came up with the uh the cox zucker <laughs> is that real that's real that's yeah, yeah. real. i don't think they could have i don't think they really could have dodged that bullet sort of like <laughs> switching like using their first names maybe one of yeah. them would change their names or they could just go with like it's the the z and c method yeah i think to, to the best of my recollection they're they are also both in two completely different fields um okay but they 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 thought wow this would be very funny and we have to do it <laughs> <laughs> i think it kind of it kind of worked out yeah, that's fair. If they were like, yeah. yeah, we can't dodge this. Let's just lean into it all the way. Yeah. What do you think is the worst form of gambling? Ooh, that that is a tricky one. So background, I have some degrees in game design and development, and cool. I, I got to make the decision of like, OK, do I want to go work on, I would say, more modern gambling and like the loot box thing or more like casino slot stuff? Um, 
I think the worst form of gambling is when it's really washed, where it's it's hiding a lot of the ways it's taking advantage to how the human brain is big with really or bad with really big numbers or really small numbers. Okay. So like I would honestly say a lot of the modern like loot box stuff is probably the worst form of gambling. Like I think it's far worse than like slots or roulette where you have to do so much to make those games fun and interesting and you have to get someone to a specific location. Mm. Whereas with all the like loot box gotcha pawn games, you can get people right on their phones and they pull it up when they're on their commute. And it's just really scary. Do you play any of those? No, I, I stay no. very far away from them because I know how they take advantage of human thinking. Mm. Or correction, correction. I do, I would consider that I play one of them. I think Magic the Gathering is sort of, I'll say, an older style of them. And it's been interesting as my interaction and consumption with the game has changed over the two decades plus I've been playing it. Yeah. There's actually, um, there's been some controversy around uh, a developer called uh, Blizzard Activision recently. Um, I think if you're in game dev, you can't really avoid that. But there's correct. been some, there's been some people. It's an understatement. But there's um there's been some people who theorized that the the ranked so there's a ranked competitive system in the game for the listeners that don't play this mm -hmm. game. It's basically every win and a loss, uh, it gives you some I'm points. Wondering. Sure, but you know some listeners might not. Oh play. yes, yes, that's good. So if you win a game, you get twenty five points. If you lose a game, you lose twenty five points, and then you accrue those over time, and that that correlates to your skill quote unquote um and there were some questions there about gambling because would you consider that gambling because you you are gambling those 25 points that go either way when you play the game um the juxtaposition that you want to consider is what those points mean to an individual person if you right. had to spend money to get those points, then I would say it, it starts getting closer to gambling. But mm -hmm. if it's just a system for basically trying to make sure people of similar skill level are competing against one another, I think that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, did you know about the matchmaking system that does uh, encourage monetization? They, they actually, Activision Blizzard, I believe, has a patent on this. No, I didn't know about this. So. They, they actually uh, submitted a patent for, which doesn't necessarily mean they're actively using, but it means they explored it enough to draw like the fence posts in the field sure. uh, where they would matchmake people occasionally with people who are using a lot of cosmetics and expensive cosmetics. Uh -huh. The idea partially being, uh, oh, well, this player has a lot of cosmetics. And when you see that player, you'll get some amount of envy towards them and that might be a thing that will encourage you to monetize wow. and to buy things. And one of the things that they, uh, a lot of companies do is they'll track how often you monetize of like, oh, you seem to monetize every two weeks on Friday when you get your paycheck. Or, oh, you'll monetize maybe a couple times a month. And when you have that data, you can start finding what are ways we can use to encourage someone to make that purchase. My God, it just goes to show you, you know, that, um, oh, Actually, no, I shouldn't say that. Maybe that's too. Dana, what rating can we get away with with um with talking about talking about adult things? Do you think we can talk about um what people do in the bedroom? Do you think we can get away with that? Oh, I think so. I, okay. one, one people don't uh people don't rate podcasts based off sure. that. So 
we we could say whatever we want, really. Okay, buckle up, potential sponsors. Buckle up, Squarespace. <laughs> um, so so, Mr. Palmer, uh, people have sex, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, a woman realized that um, the Alexa in her bedroom was picking up on what she was saying to her husband mm-hmm. with his uh, concluding act, shall we say? Mm-hmm. And Amazon started giving her pregnancy uh, items on the front page because she was yep. you know, she, she was saying you know put a baby in me um, and things like that. I would not I would <laughs> not be surprised in the least. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the topics that's come up over the years is you know your fo- how much your phone is listening to you. Sure. Um, and how you know you can talk to a random friend and you can say something about like oh yeah have you ever been to Morocco. And then within a couple of days, you start getting uh, advertisements on various things mm-hmm. uh, like plane tickets to Morocco, hotels in Morocco or something yeah. like that. I, I heard about a woman who Target, the, the the corporation Target, knew that she was pregnant before she did because of her spending habits yep. in the shop. Um, um, it It is shockingly scary how few data points you need to be able to take buckshot estimates about people and have some of those be correct. Mm. Um, and it's, we we kind of voluntarily, not voluntarily, we unintentionally opt more and more into constantly being surveilled, usually for the benefit of corporations over our own interests, sure. but it's, it's honestly kind of scary. But pie in the sky, top of your head, mm-hmm. who do you think has more information on citizens, the Secret Service or the corporations? I I I would I would be absolutely surprised if the Secret Service had anywhere close to a single corporation. Um, wow. one of the topics that we're hitting in the modern day tech industry is that data is one of the most valuable things. Data sure. is the new oil where the more data you have, the more you can train machine learning algorithms to do things that will create more profit for you, uh-huh. even if it's uh, unethical or discriminatory. Well, it's the algorithm did it. We didn't do it. Right. It's very scary. But you, that's I, my eyes open then that you think that, well, I mean, perhaps you know that corporations have more than uh, than Secret Service you know, well, how often how often are you or I, I, I say you, but that's an assumption. Uh, how often do you think the average person interacts with Facebook? Who every day, it? I would say. Yeah. So yeah. that's every single day. Like mm-hmm. even if Secret Service had this fantastic collection of needs that they have to maintain for the country, a lot of those things are going to be siloed. And I would say are kind of uh, handcuffed a little bit by yeah. certain like urgent needs, whereas individual corporations, they're profit seeking. And anytime they start sniffing and finding like a vein of gold of like, oh, we can make money off of this, mm-hmm. uh, that encourages them to do more and more. Um, and this this is very evident if you've been paying attention to Oculus, where yep. originally it was, you know, its own company, and then eventually it got bought by Facebook. And if you look at the terms of agreement for using an Oculus that's changed a lot over the course of the lifetime from when it was, you know, a thing from a Kickstarter where it was, you know, here's just some hardware and the software to make it work and Mm -hmm. the APIs. 
But now it's at the point where they state, yeah, we we own all of the biometric data we gather on you. We own uh, whatever whatever data we can scrape, whether it's your standing posture, how you move the controllers. Um, wow. And that's like the amount of data that's there alone for an individual user is just going to completely be like a bathtub compared to a thimble if you compare it with what the Secret Service is going to have on the average person. Good God. Uh, did you know that there is some studies basically looking at someone's like standing posture data where you sure. can start picking someone out with as little as five minutes of standing and posture data? Wow. Kind of like a fingerprint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. A little bit in in a wow. different sense of like your physical motion of like what motions you prefer. And this is, you know, machine learning stuff. So. And, and Google, sorry, Apple have said recently that they're going to... Um, they're going to send depression helpline and depression resources to users who frequently make typos because they think there's a correlation between the two, uh, which I, I think is bad because sometimes I just like to slap the keyboard and don't care about my spelling mistakes. Um, but apparently Apple have got so much data now they can diagnose mental illness through just user interface. And there's a part of me that thinks that there could be a way that that's usable for good. Sure. But there's also a lot of me that I'll say really doubts that it's going to like, it's going to be a thing where it, it shows up, maybe it works a little bit, but at some point mm. it's going to get deprecated and shut down. Um, where one of the other things I think was mentioned in some of those news articles were uh, diagnosing people with autism. And I don't think that's my smartphone's place. <laughs> to say, oh, you have depression, you have autism or things like that. Like, yeah, I it's very much the technology is this tentacle monster that's just trying to claw more and more of its way into your life. Mm -hmm. And it, I think that people are starting to turn a corner where they're starting to recognize the extents to which they want to trust and let technology come in where people will there there are people who will choose not to buy the very smart devices like alexa and google home because the like fringe benefits to productivity of like oh i don't have to grab my phone to punch a thing in on my phone i can just say yeah. it. like that saves you 45 seconds yeah which compared to the loss of privacy isn't worth it compared to the last big technology advancements of like oh we have a dishwasher and a laundry machine so that way we don't need to spend hours and hours washing things by hand. Like that was a sure. much more significant time gain for an individual yeah. person. Yeah, I, I don't like any Alexa or any Siri. I don't like any of that in my house yeah. at all. It, it stays at the door um, even. And, but the thing is, one thing, what product I am in two minds about is Ring. Um, I'm in two minds about that. One thing I, I, I I will never wrap my head around is people who have cameras inside their house. That is why I cannot wrap my head around that one. I think the the only the only uses I could ever think for that would be like I have, for instance, I have a I have a ten month old puppy that you might have heard moving around, sure. um, or like if you have a kid, uh, where like some people have like a nanny cam so they can see what a yeah. nanny or what a service person is doing like, oh yeah, we need someone to come repair this thing or the contractor to go replace, you know, the entire kitchen because we have money or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I can see maybe a use for that, but I can't imagine just wanting it on all the time. Yeah. Some people do that. Some people, they just have it on. 
yeah, you, you can only really like trust as much as you trust the businesses involved. Right. And I kind of continue leaning more towards like the, I want independent things that do independent stuff. I don't want them to connect to some gigantic collection of ad tech things mm. because that's where things start, you know, violating my privacy more than I, I'm comfortable with. Well, some people even have a problem with Roombas because they think that Roombas are, uh, are mapping people's houses and then selling that data off and being like, this is how many people live in this house and this is how many people live in this size house and this is what the furniture should... And that, I mean, that's data in itself. But yeah, some yep. people don't even trust Roombas anymore. I, I hadn't heard that one. I could definitely see people taking that tact. I think one of the ways in which like various companies just want to achieve more profit, they're they're driven and they feel the demand to do so. And so sure. they start looking for ways to collect data and sell data because it's more money. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So John, it's been fantastic having you on. And uh, what we like to do at the end of podcasts is ask our guests if they'd like to promote a cause, um, like a charity or maybe just a person in their life that they think deserves a shout out um, or maybe a project you're working on. It could be any of these things. It could be none of these things. But we like to give people a little soapbox at the end for them to talk about whatever is near and dear to their heart. So without further ado, this is your time. Go. Sure. Uh, I won't I won't be uh, selfish in my promotion. I will point people towards a fantastic YouTube channel, uh, which is called uh, Kurzgesagt. Uh, or more easily searched by uh, the name in a nutshell. They do fantastic like 10 to 20 minute long uh, videos talking about black holes, viruses, uh, nuking the moon, geoengineering, asteroid mining. Uh, it's really informative. They do a lot to vet their resources. I highly recommend it as just a way to learn more about the fantastic world and the age we live in. Uh, because the, the world is so impressive and the availability of the knowledge about it is is truly mind-boggling. Yeah, I, I've watched the videos before. I thought they were very informative. Is that the only is that the only thing you want to shout out? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll soapbox them. I, I really dig their resources and the information they're trying to raise up into the world. Oh, how charming. Okay, well, guys, in a nutshell on YouTube, I've, I've watched them. I like them. John watched them. John likes them. Dallas, have you seen them? I have not. Uh, there you go. Now's your chance. So I guess I, nice guess I have to. Right. Come on. <laughs> uh, John, thank you so much for coming on. Yep. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you. Good to meet you both. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Welcome back to a podcast with strangers. I uh, hope you enjoyed that first interview. Whoever it was, I don't know, because this goes out before Dallas puts his editing magic upon it. Um, normally, in the middle of this, uh, most podcasts, most incredible podcasts have a sponsor. Um, we don't. Isn't that right, Dallas? Yeah, but we desperately want them. Mm, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we don't. Mainly because I haven't actually emailed anyone yet. I have. Oh, fuck, really? Yeah, just the big ones, though. Oh, shit. I don't want to. I don't want to. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Oh. Oh, or they're just, you know, they're just filing us away to, you know, mm. for a rainy day. That's probably what they're doing. Maybe. So every week we, we normally give like recommendations of something close to our heart um, that says like, this is what we enjoy and we're not paid to say that we enjoy it. You know, like it's an authentic, fantastic um, recommendation that is personal. Um, 
But this week, we, we thought we'd do something different, right, Dallas? We thought we would uh, shake it up. Yeah, we'll do a do a little little turnaround. Yeah, keep keep, keep the viewers on their on their toes. Mm. We have done a BuzzFeed quiz called "What Disney Princess Are You?" Now we'll put the link to that in the links for this podcast, so you can take it yourself. Yeah, this is one of those extensive quizzes. Like it gets yeah. it gets to the the root of oh, yeah. who you are yeah. and makes a very informative decision based off that, mm-hmm. based off your answers. So yeah. yeah. You know, it's not your just little run of the mill buzz buzzfeed quiz buzz, things. Buzz. We didn't wanna also like just sit here and you just hear us like just clicking. So we've actually done it and we've got the answers, but me and Dallas don't know what each other have got yet. So we're gonna disclose. So who do you want to go first, Dad? Do you want me to go first or do you want... Um... Hey, I, I always go first. You you go okay. first this time. Well, BuzzFeed, what Disney princess are you? I put my answers in. I am... <gasps> Mulan. M- Mulan? Mulan? I'm not sure if I... I don't know if I know who that is. Who's that? M- Mulan? Mulan? Mulan. Mulan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was I it... know her, yeah. Outgoing... I'm vivacious. You are considered the sporty one in your group. I don't know about that. However, athletics are not the sum total of who you are, as you have a keen interest in the world around you. Yeah, I guess. Um, Mulan's also a crossdresser. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's a lot like you. Yeah, maybe revealing much more than I anticipated, but yeah. Um, how about you, Dallas? Is, does yours say anything about your fetishes? Um... Well, I got Jasmine. Okay, a whole new world for you, huh? Yeah, I'm daring and adventurous. I'm considered the daredevil of my group, which is pretty true. I'm like always the one putting myself in danger. Yeah, you, um, yeah you're in danger right now by being on this podcast with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's, that's, <laughs> I guess that's how I get, get my rocks off. <laughs> I enjoy having fun, taking risks, yeah. and living life to its fullest. Yeah. Well, how, how how accurate do you think that is? To be honest, it's not accurate at okay. all. I don't know why. I, I must have lied. Mm. Maybe I was answering questions in a way of who I wanted to be and not who I really was, mm. you know? Yeah. Maybe that's on me because this this quiz is rock solid. This yeah. has been tested by scientists. The CDC shit, recommended yeah. it. Well, I hope but, you uh, enjoyed that uh, from all of us, uh, from, from Mulan and Jasmine here. I'm hope, I hope you'll see us in a whole new light. Yeah, a whole new world. A whole new world. I don't... Oh, I'll make a man out of you. That's interesting because she because she cross-dressed. Let's move on. Um, interview number two. Who? I don't know who you've got planned. I'm sure they're I great. do. Oh, okay then. And here, and here they are. My next guest is Gabby from North Carolina. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm getting over a cold, so I need to cough for a second. <laughs> All right. We're good. Gabby, I invited you on because I hear you have a background in something that I actually have no idea what this means, the two words together. So you are a genetic counselor. Oh, I'm a genetic counseling student. So uh, eventually we'll be a genetic counselor. Okay. But in my mind, counseling is like therapy, right? Mm -hmm. It's like talking about your feelings and genetics Mm -hmm. is your DNA and stuff like that. Yes. So is this, you talk about your your genes to therapists? 
<laughs> kind of. <laughs> so um, genetic counseling, I, I, I guess I was trying to think about how I would describe it. And I think mm-hmm. for me, I would describe genetic counseling as we are guides for people um, in terms of like education and um, decision-making on genetic testing. So we work with patients and providers to help them understand what genetic testing is, mm-hmm. what it can do, what the limitations are, and then um, help them make decisions on genetic testing. So um Genetic counselors generally work in two different settings um, Mm -hmm. for the most part. So there are some outliers that might work in like public health or consulting roles. But for the most part, most genetic counselors either work in a laboratory. So like a big commercial laboratory or a hospital setting or a clinic setting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the kind of traditional idea of a genetic counselor is you're sitting down with patients for like an hour and Mm -hmm. chatting with them about genetic conditions and whether or not they want to go through with genetic testing. Okay. So would that cover things in the commercial market and things like 23andMe? Is that genetic counseling in a way or is that you hate you hate even hearing about 23 because <laughs> you did just tie. So. No, no. So um, 23andMe definitely employs genetic counselors. So there mm-hmm. are people. So uh, 23andMe is generally considered direct to consumer genetic testing. Do you believe in um, it though? Is it, is it legit? It's legit. Yes. But right. there are limitations to it and it can... Because genetic testing... So the, the whole reason we have genetic counselors, right, is because mm-hmm. genetic testing is complicated genetics are complicated um and so with direct-to-consumer testing it's the big limitations are that it's you you don't have somebody sitting down talking through it Mm -hmm. with you yeah and it's gotten better over time but for example there are certain genes where you might want to do like look at the entire gene all possible mutations in that gene, variants in that gene. Mm -hmm. And um, that would give you the best information about your risk for a certain condition. 23andMe might just look at a handful of common variants in that and so in that gene. So that would mean that you could have a risk that you wouldn't know about because you were only tested for that specific set of variants. So Mm -hmm. it's, if you have that like genetic literacy, Mm -hmm. it's not a bad thing. I think it's interesting. I've undergone some, I haven't done 23andMe. I did um, a study that uh, gave me some of that like population genetic data. So like where my ancestry might be from and just some like fun, like does cilantro taste like soap to you type of right yeah thing but um i don't think they're bad and i do think it's nice because it does give people an opportunity to be exposed to genetics in kind of a fun way but most genetic counselors so when i'm talking about like genetic testing i'm talking about um you know like testing a um 
fetus for chromosomal anomalies. So prenatal testing, I'm talking about um, testing an adult for Huntington's disease if it runs in their family. Mm -hmm. Um, So kind of more of that, like, so yeah, there's that that division between clinical laboratory and um, that direct to consumer testing. But genetic counselors work in both settings. Um, Yeah. So So where do you think this will go in the future? Do you think because I don't how long does it take really to get uh I don't know do you do you book yourself in and you have like a top to bottom gen- genetic sequencing event or is it, it like we're looking for a specific this that and the other and so how long does that take It totally depends um okay. so I guess with genetic counseling there are specialties Um, and so you can work in a pre typically the, the most common settings that you're working in or the most common specialties you're working in are either prenatal or cancer. So Mm -hmm. those tend to be the, um, areas that have the most genetic counselors aside from like laboratory genetic counselors. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you're going in for prenatal testing, you might be doing something very specific because there was a, an anomaly on the ultrasound or um, if you're going for cancer it's because you have a family history of something specific so um, you might have a family history of colon cancer or breast Mm -hmm. cancer we've heard Mm -hmm. a lot about the BRCA1 and 2 genes and in those cases in both of those examples you would be running some a a very specific test so for cancer there's uh, big panels that have a specific number of genes that you would be looking at so it wouldn't be every Everything. Right. Um, and then for like prenatal testing, you might just be looking for chromosomal anomalies or you might be running um, what's called a microarray that looks at um, kind of everything, but not in a very specific way. So okay. it's just looking at a bunch of different... Um, it's like a little bit more specific than just looking at the whole chromosomes, but not... Um, as specific as looking for individual point, what's called okay. a point mutation. And how long does it take for somebody from from somebody walking in and saying, I want to have a child, but uh, my family's had X, Y, and Z in the past. I want to know if I'm a... If I'm a carrier? Yeah, carrier. I was just yeah, or, if that was the right or is affected, yeah. Yeah. And then and then getting the results. What is the time frame? And and where would that go in the future? Do you think it would become a sort of thing where you just stick your finger in a machine and it will go ding? Or do you think it'll be it'll <laughs> always be? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good question. Um, no, and I mean, hey, it might get there. Right now, it really depends on the test. So if we go back to like the prenatal example, there's like a what's called a like rapid fish test. Um, which rapid fish it's called uh fluorescent in situ hybridization so you're looking for um just basically chromosomal anomaly so Uh um like trisomy 13 18 21 and sometimes sex chromosomes as well um and with that that can be back in a day um wow very fast turnaround time because they're yeah. doing um, basically they're looking at it underneath a microscope and it doesn't require um, kind of the same amount of work that um, maybe doing a full karyotype might. Mm-hmm. So with a karyotype, you might have to culture cells, which basically means you're growing cells to be able to see um, the chromosomes. 
in the best way. But then there's also, so when we talk about like doing it, um, like a whole exome or whole genome sequencing. So that's looking at um, a whole lot more than right. the other things I've been talking about. Um, those can take, so with um, whole exome, usually the turnaround time for those, and this has just been my experience. Um, mm -hmm. I've only worked in one lab, but I think the turnaround time was around three to four months. Um, because it's just so much data to analyze. And that's um, one person, that three to four. That's one person. So, so wow. yeah. it can be a lot. And like people, so whole exome and whole genome right now are still kind of considered more exploratory tests. So they're mm -hmm. done in instances where an answer hasn't been found in the more common testing so it can right. be pretty expensive and um a lot of times you're doing it because you've had a ton of different testing and nothing's come back with a solid answer for mm -hmm. you so um but that's definitely the direction things are moving faster, um, as far as yeah faster cheaper and um more so over time i think we're probably, and we already are moving more towards doing this whole exome sequencing, whole genome sequencing mm -hmm. um, for testing in general. So yeah. um, there's a lot of studies out there where they are having um, babies undergo um, whole exome or whole genome. Um, or they're at least I, trying to get those studies up and running. I'm not 100% sure where they're at with that, but um, that seems to be the direction that we're going and it is becoming more efficient. And as we have more genetics professionals too, yeah. there's more people to be able to analyze the data. So that's another piece. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in general, like if we're going to talk about like the overall direction that genetic counseling is going, um, it's slowly probably moving more towards this idea of like precision medicine. So how do we look at a person's healthcare through mm -hmm. their individual needs as opposed to, you know, how we apply healthcare kind of generally to certain conditions. So with that, you would look at somebody's genetics and then you would tailor their health care plan to right. the specific nutritional needs, to the specific health concerns and manage that that way. So it's interesting. So your your job may not um, your job might not <clears throat> disappear, but the role of your job may entirely change mm -hmm. um, over the course of how many years it, it may potentially take. But that's interesting yeah. that the title will stay the same, but the, the role entirely different yes because um, i think at the moment you're 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 if i'm right in saying this you're more of like um scouting for knowledge and then advising whereas in the future it would be like well here's your alternatives and here's your here's the options we can take um yeah in some ways i think in general i i guess so the reason why there's a counseling piece, right? Like you mm -hmm. don't have counseling necessarily when you go to the doctor and they're like, oh, you have high blood pressure. Let's give you some medication, right? right. Like, or let's run this test. So like you're not sitting there having a conversation about like, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Um, 
is because genetics is, so there's a lot of ethical pieces to it, right? Like there's a lot of complicated, like, you know, what does eugenics look like? And where is that line? Mm -hmm. And also, you know, how do we define disability versus characteristic and you know, those kinds of pieces, as well as like, do you want to know what your future might potentially look like? Um, And genetics has, I mean, when you're treating somebody or you're, you're, you know, doing genetic testing, you're oftentimes dealing with a whole family, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I have genetic testing and I, I did, and I, had had to kind of like talk through it with my family. Um, my results might have implications for my little brother, my half brother, my parents, um, as well as myself. And then further than that, if I ever have children, then there's implications there too. So, um, it's a lot of information and for a lot of genetic conditions, it's, more of a possibility rather than a certainty. So especially with cancer um, genetics. So when you are looking at like a cancer predisposition syndrome, Mm -hmm. you're really looking at like, what is the risk that you'll develop cancer at some point and how can we manage that risk to reduce it as much as possible and catch cancers early Um, but there's no certainty in that. It's not 100% certain that you will have breast cancer if you have a BRCA, um, pathogenic variant. So that's what, that's what Angelina Jolie went through. I believe she got, she did the the prophylactic mastectomy and I think she did an oophorectomy too. Um, you could be saying anything right now (laughs) an an oophorectomy that doesn't sound like a real (laughs) i know i know it's actually like it's usually um i mean it depends on what surgery you decide to undergo but it's also a salpingo oophorectomy which is where what is an oophorectomy is what we really want to know here to remove ovaries and oh. if you do the salpingo oophorectomy, that's when you're removing the ovaries and the fallopian tubes as well. So I it's, it's she did the, uh, I thought she did, her, I thought it was breast cancer. I didn't realize it was like related to, yeah. So, um, too. yep, it is as well. So, both, um, I can't remember which one, I feel like it's BRCA2 is more closely associated with, um, ovarian cancer as well don't quote me on that so if you um, get one it's likely that you get the other or is it not necessarily oh. Oh, okay. um it's but like i mean it's yeah it's, it's and it's complicated right so with in our genetics you might have a mutation that increases your risk right like you might have a variant that increases your risk of mm. having breast cancer but there might also be other little factors within your dna that increase that risk further that we don't really understand yet Mm. Um, and so we find that there are some families that ovarian cancer tends to be more common in them than 
um, breast cancer or there are some families where it's mostly just breast cancer. Some families, like it's mainly pancreatic cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, it can just depend on those little things. And, you know, it's hard to piece that apart too with environment because families are often existing in the same environment. So you right. don't know what environmental exposures they've had or their diet or, you know, whatever else. Like there's mm-hmm. lots and lots of factors that go into that. Um, but she, I think, opted to do both from what I remember. She had her ovaries removed and the um, prophylactic mastectomy. So um, those are... It's it's her health and there was a lot of... Those those loud men uh, who were like, I don't understand why she she do that. And it's just like, yeah, but she she wants to live. Kind of like the long and short of it. Yes. (laughs) And um, I mean, that's it, right? That's why you have genetic counseling in general, Mm. because we can talk through some of those options and like part of it too is like if you get a positive result um what are you going to do with that information so like when you're talking about you know prenatal like if you get a positive result will that change how we manage your pregnancy if you get a positive result on this you know cancer panel will that change how we can manage your health will that change the screenings that you get will you make surgical decisions um mm-hmm. that kind of stuff but um men can get breast cancer too yes you know that, Dallas? I, I didn't you didn't they you can. didn't i did it you gotta check your tits <laughs> i'm gonna be up okay you gotta check for for lumps um yeah. am i am i wrong gabby come on like guys no, gotta no, check so- too so male breast cancer is actually um, one of the risk factors for having a familial, like, inherited hereditary cancer syndrome. Well, statistically speaking... Because it's rare. Right. 50% of our listeners may be men, statistically speaking. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. Potentially. I don't know how statistics work. So, guys, if you're listening, grab your nips <laughs> and look for... um. Lump? What am I feeling for? Lumps. <laughs> You're feeling for lumps. Lumps. Yeah. There's probably some nice guides online on how yeah, to do a self-breast exam. But yes. So, and it, again, like that's one of the things that people might not be aware of. So somebody might, it's not like a super high risk, but somebody, a, a male who decides he doesn't want to have kids may not feel that motivated to get genetic testing because, you know, breast cancer runs in his family, but he's not really worried about, you know, passing it on. Um, And he's not really worried about himself, but it's Mm. associated with other, like some of these cancer syndromes are associated, well, most of them are associated with a bunch of different types of cancer. And so um, with that, it's still important to like, you know, consider whether or not that is the right decision for you based on the complete picture of that. And so that, yeah. you know, again, that's why we have genetic counselors. So they can give you as much information as possible. And we talk a lot about like empowering people with information, which mm. can, I think, mean two different things. It can mean empowering people with enough information to make a decision on testing and whether or not testing is right for them. And it can also mean empowering them with the information from tests so that they can make decisions based on that test to manage their health differently. Isn't it one in three people get cancer? 
It is. It's something. I can't remember what the percentage is for. So for women, I think it's pretty close. It's, it might be a little bit above one in three. And for men, right. I can't remember if it's one in four or one in two. But I bet it's one and two. I bet it, it's, it's very, very high. Yeah, it's a pretty I, high yeah. percentage. And and the reason for that, though, like, so I'm in a um, genetic counseling right. oncology class right now. The reason for that is because people are living longer. So oh. we're not dying from, you know, contaminated water and... I mean, we are, but you know, it's, it's not the same thing. Um, it's definitely still a thing. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like that's not, but you know, it's not as common for us to like be dying from mammoths. Let's just say mammoths. Let's go way mammoths. We could also go with like a lot of other like diseases that we've learned how to treat in the last several years. Um, and we're not always, you know, dying from cancer either because we have treatments and the treatments are getting better for that too. Um, And so it's more likely that people are going to get cancer because the way that cancer works is, you know, your cells get kind of messed up and then they just start uncontrollably dividing. And And they can um, grow eyes and they can grow teeth. Did you know that, Dallas? Tumors? Teratomas? (laughs) They could die. Yeah. Eyes and teeth. They can grow Ter- eyes and teeth. Teratomas, I don't think. I I want to say they're not. Those ones are not cancerous, so they're gross. Oh. And scary, but it is a tumor. Um, I'm trying oh. to think. Oh wait, did, what? So not all tumors are cancer. Not all tumors are cancer. Oh. Um, yeah. So there are. Um, you can have benign tumors and you can have cancerous tumors. So cancers usually have the potential. Potential. Oh, I guess so. Teratomas can be cancerous. I looked it up. Oh man. Um, hey. Oh man. I shouldn't have Googled this. Don't, why did you do that? Don't do that. <laughs> and anyone listening, don't let cup eyes and teeth on tumors. It's mm. not nice. Scary. Um, yeah, they can happen when you like absorb your twin in utero. Oh, wow. So you could just have like your absorbed yeah. twin, but you can also just, they just grow. Um, it's yeah, kind of cr- creepy. They usually <laughs> grow in your, um, like your ovaries or oh, okay. uh, testes too. Oh so like- fuck! No, oh. no. <laughs> Me and Dallas have those. We don't share them. We have our own. Uh, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a really unique medical case if you did share them. <laughs> yeah, we should. We- well, Dallas lives in Alabama, <laughs> and I live in England, so maybe we like airship them out to each other. Uh, yeah, okay, <laughs> so we've run out of time. But it, this has been um, informative, disgusting, enlightening, and uh, hopeful in equal measure. You know, the, the, the genetic science um, looks bright. Um, and what we like to do to our guests at the end is give them a platform for them to, to promote something. It can be a person, uh, a cause, a project. Um, and you can share more than one thing. Um, or you can just say a message to the world. This is just your time to talk about whatever you want. So, after you. That's like so open ended. It is, um, yeah. But it's your time. All right. Well, I will say that there are a lot, a lot of resources 
online if you are interested in getting involved in genetic counseling or going to a genetic counseling program. I'm not going to say it's easy. It's very competitive, um, but it's a rewarding career. A lot of people are really happy with it. So um, there is a Discord channel. Uh, you should be able to find it through Reddit on some of the like genetic counseling subreddits, um, but it is a, a GC chat is mm-hmm. the, um, is that what it's called? Is the Discord, yep, GC chat is the Discord server. So if you're a prospective student, if you're a biology student, if you are just interested in learning more about genetic counseling, there is, um, the GC chat is mostly for people who are prospective students or current students of genetic counseling, but um, there's lots of resources online. And so if you want to learn more about genetic counseling, probably go to any of the program websites. Um, NSGC is the um, National Society for Genetic Counselors. They've got tons of really great resources on where to find a genetic counselor. So that's what I would recommend. Cool. Is that every, is that, Yes. Is that what you want to, is, <laughs> That's what I've got. <laughs> but that is very, very um, honest, and and I like that. You know, you're you're giving people some assistance. Um, it's like, yeah, it's a yeah, it's, it's a rough field to get into. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, the application process is a nightmare, and it's more competitive. Like percentage wise, people getting into genetic counseling programs is lower than people are getting into med school. Mm. Um, so <laughs> congrats to know. you is basically what yes. we're saying you're flexing you. you're flexing I, <laughs> it's not so much that it's kind of a crapshoot but also I am a little bit older than some applicants and so I've had a little bit more time wow. to gain a lot of experience um yeah. and just have had like a pretty lucky diversity of experience that makes me hopefully mm. well equipped to be a good genetic counselor well i think you'd be fantastic and thank you so much for being on our podcast absolutely thanks for inviting me on welcome back to a podcast with strangers and i want to say a big thank you to both the genetic therapist and john the game dev for coming on uh, you you were fantastic guests um, and also want to say a big thank you to you, the listener, for listening, for tuning in. Perhaps this is your first time. Uh, perhaps you tune in week after week. But we do heavily appreciate your presence. Um, and you're, you're, you're great. Look at you. Fucking fantastic. Yeah, fucking holy shit. Fucking look at you. Little fucking. Mm. Damn. Are you, are you finished yet, by the way? Are you still having sex? Oh, Yeah. Fuck! You need to. You need to go. You know, how you go for a whole hour? Oh, That's insane. My God, whoever's having sex right now, congratulations! I hope. I hope me and Dallas push you over the edge. Hope we got you there, buddy. We got you there. If you're listening on iTunes, please uh, rate us five stars and leave a comment, rate and review, as we like to say. Constructive criticism is always the best kind of criticism. If you'd like to follow us on social media, which I uh, I, I need to post more. I, it's been a heavy, heavy week of recovery. Um, and also I have a, a bird brain as they, the, the doctors, they, they look me in the eye and they look away and they point us some x-rays. They say it's not good, but our Twitter account is strangers PDCST. Last week you criticized that, that handle. I did and Adam did. I, I like it. Good. It's just, yeah, I pod- fucking love it. It's podcast without the vowels. Yeah. I, I hate vowels just like you. Yeah. I wish we could get rid of all of them. Yeah. Our brains don't need vowels. Yeah, 
if you'd like to be on the show, uh, email us a podcast with strangers at gmail.com. That email address is a podcast with strangers at gmail.com. You can also call me 07392. No, I'm not. Um, and join <laughs> us next time for the finale episode. It's the fucking end. It's the end of season one. Of season one. It's the end of season one. This I mean, hopefully we get recommissioned, but we, we have to uh, talk to the higher ups. We have to state our case. So obviously, so like consistent listening is, is what will get us a season two commission. So like, you know, uh, but yeah, we have to we have to talk to the higher ups um, and, and hope they, they have faith in us. Yep, it's all on you guys now. So on you. go ahead and pay your parents to listen and yeah. do what it takes. Yeah. You don't want us to be homeless, do you? Yeah. <laughs> But next week it's a finale. It's a big fucking deal. We're gonna have um we're gonna have uh, well hopefully we're gonna have Adam back from from last week who took over. Um and we're we're gonna have words. We're gonna have words. I'm gonna have to have a talk with Adam. Because there were cage fight of the century. It's, there's gonna be a, a two a bit of to and fro in because uh well I, I there were some things said. Adam, if you're listening, there were some things said, bud, and we, we're going to have to go to uh, marriage counseling to, to talk about this because uh, the sleeping dogs ain't lying. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. You're going to say it again. He's going to hear it twice. I'm going to say you take a swing at the king. You better not miss. Yeah. What, what else are you going to say? What else are you going to tell gonna him? Say, I wanna uh, I'm going to say I own this city. Yeah, you, this city ain't big enough for yeah, both of you. This city ain't big enough for both of us. He's shaking in his little, little boots. His little cowboy boots and... Little wife fronts, little white wife fronts. Yeah. Lace wife fronts. I don't know what he wears. All right. Well, probably. Tune in next week for the big finale. It's going to be huge. Cage match. I can't hype it up big enough. It, you're going to have to be there. Tune in. All right. Godspeed. God bless. Have a lovely weekend. Bye bye. Fan Debbie Dozy. I fucking said it. I, I throw it in at the end. I throw it in. Fuck yes. The word for this week is here. The word for this week is here. That's that medium.